welcome to Pursuit Church Podcast, where we give those far from God the opportunity to pursue Christ. We are so glad you are here, and wherever you're listening from, we believe God has a word for you through today's message. Before you're seated, I want to read from the book of Matthew, chapter 13. Aren't you thankful this morning for the opportunity just to be able to get in the presence of God, church, and to be able to worship Him? I'm so thankful. I heard a story one time of a couple who were reaching retirement age. They had worked hard their, all their lives, and an angel appeared into their home one night and told them, since you've worked so hard and You've been faithful. I'm going to give each one of you a wish. Anything you want, it's yours. And so the woman said, can I go first? And the angel said, of course. And she said, well, I would like an all-expense-paid trip to Hawaii. That's where I've always wanted to go, and I want to go to Hawaii. And the angel said, you've got it. And immediately in her hand, church, were two tickets, all expenses paid, trip to Hawaii, where she's always wanted to go. And it was her husband's turn, and he said, well, I know what I want. He said, I would like to go to that trip uh, to Hawaii as well, but I want to go with a woman 30 years younger than myself. The angel said, okay, and poof. In just a split second, the man was 96 years old. <laughs> so be thankful, church. Be thankful for what you've got. It could always be worse, and I'm thankful to be able to be in the presence of God. Matthew chapter 13. I will probably be doing a little bit more talking today than my usual preaching but I do believe that God has a word for us. Matthew 13, verse 44, it says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid. And for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Today, I want to speak on, are you willing to sell everything? You may be seated. Recently, I was listening to a podcast, and the guest on the show was speaking about Mount Everest, the highest mountain in the world. He said, every year, the slopes of Mount Everest are littered with the dead bodies of climbers who didn't make it to the top. The effort to climb the world's highest mountain is costly, church, and strenuous and dangerous. At the mountain's highest point, you are breathing in only a third of the amount of oxygen you would normally breathe due to the atmospheric pressure. But it's not the lack of oxygen that usually kills. Avalanches are the greatest cause of death, followed by falls. Winds on the mountain have been recorded at more than 200 miles per hour. And outside of just one single year, church, there has been a death on Everest every year since 1969. More than 225 people have died in the past three decades trying to make the climb. At least half of their bodies today remain on the mountain and will likely remain there forever. 
April 2014 saw the deadliest day in the mountain's history when an avalanche swept 16 people to their deaths. The bottom line is this. If you want to see the view from the world's highest peak, then you must be ready for a costly pursuit. No man does this lightly or casually. You must be willing to lay down everything and maybe even your own life to see the highest point. Last week, I spoke about two different kingdoms. I spoke about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. But today, I want to focus in more on the kingdom of God. The terms kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven is found all in scripture. And the kingdom of heaven is a reference to God's reign, his authority to rule. And where there is a kingdom, there is a king and God is that king. When Jesus taught his disciples to pray in Matthew chapter 6, he instructed them to pray this way. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Indeed, the kingdom of God is the place where God's will is done fully and completely. Jesus in his ministry speaks of the kingdom as something that has already come, but at times in scripture he has also spoken it of something that had yet to come. This is because the kingdom comes in stages. First, the kingdom came to earth in Jesus Christ. The incarnation was the place where heaven would touch earth. Then the kingdom came in power in the upper room on the day of Pentecost, and the church became the expansion of the kingdom of God. First, the will of God was manifest within the confines of one perfect person, Jesus Christ. Then the will of God was manifested in a multitude of people, the church. However, sometimes the Bible still refers to the kingdom in future tense, a kingdom that will only come with the return of Christ Jesus, because then and only then will the will of God be fully realized in the whole world. Today, though, the kingdom of God is at work through the church. This is the kingdom of God as it exists today in the world right now. And to be a part of this kingdom is the greatest opportunity that life has to offer. There's nothing more fulfilling, nothing that our heart longs for more, church, than to be a part of the kingdom of God. However... As incredible as the kingdom is, much like the summit of Mount Everest, it is the price that keeps many from ever committing to the kingdom. Because make no mistake about it, this kingdom is a costly kingdom. Yes, Jesus paid for our salvation and the ransom for our souls was paid at Calvary. But that doesn't mean it won't cost us anything. No, we cannot earn our way into heaven, but it does cost us something to follow Jesus. I'm not talking about a price that you pay to obtain salvation. That's a price we could never pay. It's a price that was already paid by the precious blood of the Lamb. However, without a doubt, walking with God will cost us something. 
The kingdom of God is a treasure, and those who really believe in it will be willing to sacrifice everything in their lives to obtain it. This morning, I want us to look again at this very short parable, Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. It's a one-verse parable. Jesus, it's all of Jesus' words. He makes this point that the kingdom of God is a treasure that will cost you everything, but that it is of such infinite value that it is, it is well worth the sacrifice. Here again is the parable. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid. And for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Now, hidden treasures were much more common back then. Today, people put their money in banks, stocks, bonds. But back then, they didn't have such a thing. There was no place, no safe place to store your treasure. If an individual was fortunate enough to have some sort of treasure, it was up to them to find a way to keep it safe and hide it and preserve it. And so in many cases, that meant placing that treasure in an earthen jar and burying it. However, there would be times when the person who buried the treasure would never come back to it. Maybe due to them passing away or forgetting about the treasure or having lost the treasure, forgot where they buried the treasure. And so when Jesus was introducing the concept of the kingdom, he told the story of a man who was working in another man's field. And as the man is plowing the other person's field, probably a person who is much wealthier than him. And as he is plowing his field, he unearths buried treasure. Now, we are not told what the treasure is, but the story certainly conveys the fact that the treasure that he found is very valuable. So what does he do? Immediately, he recognizes that the field that he has been plowing in is not his. And if he tries to lay claim to the treasure, the owner of the land will assert his right of ownership and the treasure will never be his. So immediately, the man puts the treasure back where he had found it. Doesn't make a big deal about it. Doesn't talk about it. Doesn't spend a lot of time estimating the value of it. By that one glance, he already knew all that he needed to know. He knows for certain that the treasure is of such value that he must do whatever it takes to obtain it. And the only way to obtain the treasure was to purchase the field. However, this man is not a man of much wealth or money. He doesn't have even one thing that has enough value to exchange for the field. In fact, when he really begins to evaluate the price of the field, he realizes that it will take the sum total of everything that he possesses to purchase the field. And so Jesus says that he sold all that he had. He liquidated everything that he owned to buy the field and obtain the treasure. 
May we understand this morning that ownership of the field does not come easily. It involves a total reordering of priorities, a total reevaluation of our life, a willingness to sell everything that we have to obtain the field in which the treasure lies. And more often than not, church, it requires the liquidation, if you will, of everything that we possess and everything that we have to obtain it. The point of the parable is simple but incredibly important. The value of the kingdom of God is so valuable that it is worth the surrendering of everything in our life. It costs something to gain the kingdom. It requires the abandonment of everything and the taking up of our cross to follow Christ in the kingdom. It often means letting go of what means most to, him, uh, most to us and following after him by complete faith. And so I was thinking about this parable this week. I began to evaluate my own life. Am I living in such a way where I'm willing to give up or surrender or lay aside anything and potentially everything for the sake of the kingdom? Am I really understanding, like in my real life, the value of the kingdom? Am I really comprehending in my daily walk the fact that this kingdom is like treasure that is worth everything that I own? And then I began to ask myself, what are, you willing to obtain, what are you willing to sell to obtain the kingdom, Daniel? What are you willing to hand over? What are you willing to lay aside? What have you been holding back or held on to or hidden under the rug that has restrained you from the kingdom? Because it's worth handing it over. The pride, the bitterness, the unforgiveness, the guilt, the shame, whatever it is. Oh, church, I feel, I feel that I'm speaking to someone this morning. What have you not let go of? What have you put under the rug? What have you kept so close to you that has hindered your path to the kingdom? And what the man in the parable did was powerful enough on its own. However, Jesus goes a step further and he says that it was with joy that the man sold everything he had to buy the field. No doubt this man was like any other normal person who had some things in his life that he probably held close to him, things that maybe he had held on for years, and yet with joy when he saw the treasure that laid before him, the precious kingdom of God, with joy he said, I've got to sell it. I've been holding on to it too long. It's time to part ways with it. I've got to hand it over. It's worth the treasure. It's worth the field. It's worth the kingdom. And as I was thinking about this parable this week, I began to, I began to wonder what God must think of us and the way we live our lives. 
and the things we think are important and, and the things we hold so dearly and, and the things we give our time and attention to. We have so many things going on, church, so many uh, different kingdoms, if you will, so many important things, so many things in this life that we feel need our time and attention. And I would hate to think it's so, but, but it doesn't hurt to ask, have we passed the field on by where the treasure lies because we're so busy and we're so caught up at something else? Will we be like those who found the treasure and, and found it so very valuable that we gave everything we had to keep it safe in hopes to never lose it? Or will we be like those who became so concerned with the things of life that we forget about the treasure, we lose sight of the treasure, we die having completely lost it? Oh, God forbid that I at one point in my life experience the treasure and have the treasure and possess the treasure, but become lost in the busyness and the stressfulness and the cares of life. And church, the thing about our world is that it's so easy to do as we feel the pressure and, and we feel the need to focus so much on our physical well-being, to be successful, to, to make something of ourselves, to make something of our family. But this earthly kingdom is, not, is nothing, is nothing, is nothing in comparison to the kingdom of God. And there is much greater Treasure out there than a successful career or more education or having financial security. You know, people feel that they have to have such financial security in this world. They are set on it. They feel the responsibility. They feel the pressure to make it happen. If they don't make it happen, the world labels them a failure. But this fear of not being financially secure, secure or, or successful in this world is actually, church, the result of having no real genuine daily walk with God. Because if we really walked with Him and we really talked with Him, I believe we wouldn't fear such a thing. And I believe that if we walked with God like the apostles walked with God and we would seek first, seek first, seek first the kingdom, we would never fear not having enough. People worry about not having enough because that might mean a much more difficult life for them and their kids and their family. But in reality, we draw them closer to God because they now have a real reason to get on their knees and pray and trust God and have a family prayer meeting. But in our first world country, we don't want to be found with a real need or a real request to pray and trust God because it hurts our pride. And it causes us not to look as put together. And, and it causes us not to look as, as successful in the world. And, and it hurts our self-image. 
But may I remind the church this morning of two different beggars that I preached about a couple weeks ago. Two different beggars who received their healing, their sins forgiven, and a brand new life in Christ Jesus. Why? Because they had a reason to trust God. They had a reason to pray. They had a reason to draw close to God. In other words, be thankful. Be thankful. Be thankful. Be thankful that you've got a reason to draw close to God. You've got a reason to pray. You've got a reason to call upon him. And I know what the world says. They said, you got to have it together. You want to you make sure you're not going to have money problems. You want to make sure you've got a, a good career that's going to provide you possessions and, and a successful life because you're going to want an easier life and, and not a hard life. But this preacher says that that's terrible advice. Terrible advice from a world that does not see value in their soul and they don't see value in the kingdom of God. And so instead of asking, how can we have a successful life? May we ask, what are we willing to sell for the kingdom? What are we willing to give, lay aside for the kingdom? Are we willing to sell everything and draw close to him? And may we then, church, seek first the kingdom. The Bible says, and everything else will be added to us. Everything else will be added to us. And when someone draws close to God and becomes fully dependent upon him, it becomes a little scary, but they will have the incredible revelation of God's goodness and faithfulness and provision because they will then see that God is faithful. God did hear my cry. God is walking with me. God does care for me. God is providing for me and my family. God does care for us. I believe our ultimate mission must become the kingdom. And when it does, church, when our mission becomes the kingdom, we will find that God is a great provider. I won't be much longer, but everything in a person's life will change for the better when their mission becomes the kingdom. If you are questioning what to do with your life starting today, maybe you've been confused, don't understand what you need to do, what path to take, the Lord has answered you today. Seek first the kingdom. Make the kingdom your priority. Make the kingdom your life. Make the kingdom your mission. I know what you're thinking. It's not glamorous. It's not going to look good on my resume. My family might think of me different. I'm not going to be the successful one. I won't have the house or car that I wanted. It's not going to earn me much. Oh, it's going to earn you, church, a lot more than you think. Because the kingdom of God is like a treasure. And it's worth everything we have. It's worth everything we can give. So I begin to come to a close and then I'll call the singers back. But there was no single person besides Jesus who could express the ultimate value of the kingdom. He tries to express it to us in a single parable. But the parable doesn't even do it justice for it's worth so much more. Jesus tries to express it to us in a way that maybe we would understand. 
But in all actuality, we will never understand the full value of the kingdom like Jesus does. Jesus understands the value of the kingdom so much that for our sake, he was committed to the most selfless act. He committed himself to the cross the brutal punishment of a criminal's death, a crown of thorns on his head, nails in his hands, tears of blood, bleeding until his final breath. He gave it all for the sake of the kingdom. He gave it all, not that he would enter the kingdom, for it's his kingdom, but that we, 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 the church, the blood-bought church would enter the kingdom. And if he's willing to give everything he has in an effort for us to obtain the kingdom, how much more should we be willing to let go of or lay aside or give or sell for the kingdom of God? Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. For more information about Pursuit, visit PursuitChurchAR.com. Thank you for listening and see you next week.